Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Okay, I'm going to jump right into this. You guys doing good? Feel good? <laughs> awesome. Hey, so, so Father's Day and, and men and fatherhood is a really big deal to me. I'm sure you guys have seen it often. And it's kind of expressed in some of the things that I speak of and say. I have it on the forefront of my mind all the time. And the reason being is because as I stepped into to sort of ministry, and I was a, a young 21-year-old in youth ministry, and so I was with the youth in junior high and high school, and in just so many moments I can go back. And there was a young girl named Miranda, and, and I remember Miranda, uh, she, she's just always wanted affirmation, she always wanted encouragement, and then her, her mother and grandma were the only ones in her life, and her mom had, had some struggles, she she's, uh, struggled with, with alcoholism and, and drug addiction, and, and her grandma seemed to always kind of be that strong support in her life, and I'll just never forget, her mom called me up once, Miranda's mom, she said, Sammy, Miranda just needs counseling, I don't know what it is, she's just going through a lot, and, and so Kelly and I sat with her for a couple of weeks, and I realized in my young 21-year-old mind that she didn't have a father. And there was something off with her identity. And so I just stopped everything we were doing. And again, I'm, I'm just a young 21-year-old, right? And, and I just learned enough about the scriptures that fatherhood is important. And so what I told Miranda, I said, Miranda, you got to understand this. Your identity should not be into anything else other than being a daughter and I know that you don't have a father, but I want to teach you and explain to you identity. That your identity isn't first in any other thing other than being a daughter and not necessarily of your father. She never even met her dad. I said, but in a father in heaven who knows you and loves you and he speaks life into you. And so we walked through that. And so I guess I've been on a journey ever since. And I've seen young men, and I've seen young girls, and, and I've been in community with you, and you guys are my family, and the church that I love so desperately, and yet when I sit down and have coffee, and we have dinner, and we talk, I've realized a common denominator in our culture, that nine out of ten women, men, struggle with a father wound, or an absent father, or a father that just doesn't care, and it, it really, uh, it irks me, it frustrates me. It, uh, it challenges me, and then becoming an, my own, on my own, becoming a father and seeing Lenya for the first time and how she made me a dad, you know, and seeing her run around and challenging her to go down the stairs on her own, even though I'm like right there with her, and calling her to, to just be courageous and brave. And I, I think that's something within a father and a man that we've lost in our culture. And so I want to just talk to you for a moment about what this means to me and what this means to God in the scriptures. And I hope I don't, and, and with accuracy, I, I hope I, I can theologically and biblically express to you that, yes, you can be the best dad on earth, or you could have really messed up, but you can always do something about it. But at the same time, you could be the best. I'm telling myself this. I could be the best dad. I'm still going to mess up. That's why I have to point Lenya and Zoe, not, not necessarily to me, but to God who will reassure her, her father in heaven who is perfect and loving and gentle and graceful and kind and, and pushes her to more. But there's a study from Barna of 1,058 fathers of children under 18. And this study was kind of put together over the last 10 years and it was culminated in 2020. 
And the only reason I know about this is because I'm working on my master's, and one of the things I have to do as I finish my degree is I have to write sort of a big paper on what I want to write about. And, and I, I chose to write about healthy fathers and how toxic my last masculinity is a thing, right? And, and, but yet with that has come, it's reared its ugly head against those things, and now fathers are just pushed out of society right now. And so here are the studies. They're interesting. What are the things they were asked? 1,058 fathers were asked this. What are the things you feel towards being a father? 72% they feel proud. Man, I feel proud. 54% said, I'm excited. 50% said, I'm, I'm confident. I'm, I'm confident that I'm going to do this well. Then the negative perceptions and feelings came. 68% feel exhausted when they even think about fathering. 68 58% agree or strongly agree that they're afraid about fathering. They're afraid to be a father. This one was in 50%, 50 feel inadequate. 48% said they feel very prepared to be a father. No, those are kind of good statistics. So half feel inadequate, which shows us the challenge that fathers face today in our society. As I was listening to just Barner, Barner kind of is, is a, is a study based on nonprofit, based on just building all these statistics around the Christian faith and the biblical identity and the worldview that we're living in. And so as I was listening to one of the researchers that has been researching for 25 years, he said that we're in a crisis of raising young men and young women, specifically young men. We're in a crisis right now. So what I want to talk to you about today is the intentional father. That's the title. If, if I had a title, it's Intentional Father. And if I had a subcategory, it would be courage, character, and compassion. I would argue that those are the three things. There's many more that if a father, a man, a young man, and by the way, you, you don't have to be a dad in the room today, but if you're a young man and you want to be married one day, you want to be a father one day, I, I would encourage you, I, I compel you, I would uh, express to you with veins popping in my neck. Man, take this serious. Take it serious, please. I think of Abraham. Watch this. Abraham was 75 years old, still living in his father's tent. Talk about responsibility that need to be kind of, hey, what are you doing? And God spoke to Abraham in his father's tent. He said, I need you to take a journey. Go on a voyage. Take your wife, take your children, take your cattle, and I'm calling you to a land. And it's a journey, and it's an expedition, and it's a destination that I'm calling you to. And I want you to go. Go, Abraham. Take your stuff. Stop, stop living under your father's roof and be a man. And he goes on this journey, doesn't he? And ancient mythology as well talks about kind of this idea of a man, manhood. That you're born, I've talked about this, you're born and you, you, you begin to understand the world around you and you're in a tribe or you're in a place, you're in a community, you're in your home and at some point you have to grow up. And then when you grow up, you go on a journey and along the journey, as we see in Abraham's story, he had to lie about his wife, he had to get into war, he had to, to, to do things that were terrifying and 
a lot of times, it's, I've talked about this, it's, it's going on a journey, and it's, it might be, oh, i got to do all these things. i got to find career, and I want to be a good dad, and I want to do and make money and have the white picket fence, and all of those things are amazing. But what we realize in the journey of man, manhood is that you're called to slay the dragon. There's something in your story and what you realize, it's not so external, it's internal. There's this war waging within you to be healthy and to be a good father or a good man, a good dad, but yet there's something else in you that lures you into the darkness of chaos and the shadows of pleasure and whatever you want to do, you just go and do that. And yet you realize along the journey, I'm still on my journey, I got a long ways to go, that there's a dragon that has to be fought and the dragon's within you and so I see that when I look at Abraham's story so I want to talk about courage character and compassion courage we see in Joshua 1 7 God tells Joshua Moses reiterates it multiple times be strong and courageous doesn't he say that men please the father God himself is telling you be strong and be courageous in the culture and the world you're living in the next would be to have character. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, bad company corrupts good morals. It's the bad company that will destroy you at the end of the day. And oftentimes it's not necessarily external, it's internal. Can you be around bad company but still be good inside? And then the, the next would be compassion, which is, Colossians says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. So the intentional father, I guess you got to ask yourself, like, where are they? Where are the intentional fathers in our society, in our culture, in California, in the United States, in the world at large? Where have they gone? If I'm going to be honest, when I was looking and talking to Kelly about this, I look across the scriptures, and of course we see Joseph, Mary and Joseph, and how he was a good dad, he was an awesome dad, and yet I, I actually can find more stories of an unhealthy father than a healthy father in the, in, the, in the scriptures. Honestly, I think of Samuel, he was a great guy, but his two sons never followed God. I think of Elijah, um, Eli, the priest, his sons were all messed up. I think of David, and yeah, he had Solomon, he had a, but, but there was something off this intentionality that we've missed and I don't know if it's because we just feel like we need to like conquer the world and yeah we got to go on this journey and, and, and what we miss along the way is that you were called when you had a child to be a dad and I would argue from my own conviction that is my first ministry is my family I love this church I love this pulpit I love this that's awesome this mic that's so cool but who would I be? I tell Kelly this all the time. What good is it to win a city and lose my family? It's not worth it to me. And I've seen the rhetoric over and over and over again in ministry. And I'll be honest, I, I have to ask God, Lord, teach me how to do this well because I'm called, I know. But I'm first called to my family and to be a good dad and a good husband. And now, Lord, help me. I have two daughters. <laughs> Are our young men... Or sons being raised in such a way to take on these characteristics. Courage, character, and compassion. Why? Six thoughts. 
powerful, there is a powerful allure of video games and entertainment or social media in our culture. A whole world of technology and the power of screens. By the way, we're being discipled, our young people, by the screen. And I hope you're, the young man or young woman is being discipled by mom and dad, but oftentimes it's the screen who's discipling them. And that's scary. Number two is, is toxic masculinity and gender roles about where men fit and don't fit in our society and what you're expected of in our society as a man. That's not helpful. A third would be challenges related to sex and sexuality. Number four would be digital access pornography. Right? In the 60s and 70s, you'd had to go to the store to see that stuff, and now you can just pull it up on your phone. Another would be a lack of good role models. Who do you look to within the church or outside of it? And the last would be a huge dropout of following Jesus or Christianity for significant amounts of time and sometimes, oftentimes, never come back. In other words, you can raise your child, but if you're not careful, if you're not intentional, they'll, they'll fall away from God in the church. So we have a crisis of raising good men. And good women, of course, that become good fathers and good mothers. There's good news, too. Barna has found 70, this is great news, 76% of practicing Christian fathers are focused on teaching their son about how to be a Christian man. That's strongly agree. They click that option. I strongly agree to that. 76%, that's great. And 97% say they agree somewhat. So that's helpful, but that's kind of frustrating. It's like, what? You agree somewhat? Bruce uh, Springsteen, have you guys heard of him? I I'm not a country guy. I didn't even read his book. I found some of this. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen is a country singer, right? Again, I didn't read his book, but I found this, um, this, this his, his idea. He, he, he was talking about fathering in his book uh, uh, called Born to Run, and he's getting ready to be a father for the to his first son. Bruce is. And he, he didn't have the best relationship with his father, though. And so he tells his dad over the phone that's across the country, Dad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a father and I'm going to have a son. And so his father drove halfway across the country to have breakfast with him to celebrate his son, his soon-to-be grandson. And then Bruce says this. He tells Bruce, the father, Bruce, you've been really good to us. But we haven't always been really good to you. And so he's thinking, like, is this my father apologizing? And yet he said he came to this thought. All of us are either going to be ghosts or we're going to be ancestors. Now hear me biblically. I don't personally think there are such a things as ghosts. But you can see this, this symbolism in this, right? So hear me on the symbolism. All of us are either going to be ghosts or we're going to be ancestors. We're all going to leave a legacy in the families that, we, that come behind us. Ghosts haunt us with brokenness, with trauma, and with failure. That's what ghosts do, right? But ancestors, they leave a legacy and they create a history. They provide a context and a sense of meaning. Bruce then said, I realized my father's effort and apology was my dad acknowledging I haven't always done this right. But I want to be an ancestor, not a ghost in your kids' lives. That was from Bruce Springsteen. 
In my own young and youthful experience of pastoring and talking and walking alongside others, it's hard to find someone who hasn't had a profound brokenness or trauma or defect in their lives that dates back to their dad. So the statistics then point us to a profound thought. As a father, you bring either one thing, I would argue. You bring pain or you bring power in the lives of your children. You could bring both. I think you will. But the intention shouldn't bring, be to bring pain, right? It should be to bring power to your children. Without a father in the home, watch this. There is more likely, your children are more likely to act out. Without a father in the home, sexual promiscuity starts at a young age. Without a father in the home, there is more likely to have emotional problems in your children, disproportionately more likely to go to prison and to struggle in school without a father in the home. So does it not seem obvious to all of us, yet we don't talk about this enough and the possibility of power that can come from a father, from a dad, or the pain that a father could bring into the world. I, uh, again, I've been working on this, this, this sort of this big paper for my master's, and I, I discovered this pastor in New York City. His name's John Tyson, and um, he went on this whole journey with his son when his son turned 13 to 19 years old. He called it the primal path. It's like some interesting stuff. And he, he realized that he, he studied all these different societies and civilizations, and in every culture and society, there was sort of this rites of passage from a father to a son. And so he said, we don't have that here in America. It's not good enough to go on a camping trip and say, son, you're going to be a man now. Good luck. That's not helpful anymore. And so I have this on the screen. I want to show you in his book, The Intentional Father. He opens with five types of fathers. And if you study fatherhood in our society, you'll likely fall into one category. If you can see this, one is the irresponsible dad, which come in and get out and do nothing. The other is the ignorant dad, which says, I don't know what they're doing, and, and then they do damage because they don't know what they're doing. The other is the inconsistent dad who's torn with their own ambitions. They're often absent. The involved dad, which our culture's version of a great dad, the intentional father then, which believes it's the primary responsibility and builds a pathway based on who their kids are going to be and what they're going to do. So there's this intentionality. So I want to just kind of go through those really briefly, okay? The first is the irresponsible father. For whatever reason, they just bail on their kid. See you later. I'm out. Maybe the mother is pregnant. Maybe they do it when things get hard, when things get difficult. They just leave. They just don't own up to the fact that they have brought a human being in the world, and they have a responsibility to care and provide and protect that child. There's a story of a theologian and a writer, and he tells the story of his relationship with his father. And his mom gave him responsibility one day, the oldest of his siblings, to not allow the father to take the keys of his car. The mom did this to the, dad, the son. Don't let your dad take these keys. I want you to protect them. I want you to own them. He can't take these keys. He was a drunk and he would get crazy, and he would just go out of whack. And so the son, by the mother, the mother's encouragement says, I need, you to, I need you to be a man and protect your dad. And there was one day where the father 
drunk, goes into the room, he kisses his, his children asleep, and he takes the keys from the son. He then goes to the garage, he turns the car on, he sits on the board of the, the car, and he inhales all the fumes and he dies. And that son, a theologian, is kind of scarred all throughout his life. You can see it in his writing. And he, he kind of talks about it in his journey. And he says, what was it about me that my dad just didn't think I was good enough? Like, why did my dad do that to me? Why, why, was I not good enough for, for, for him to, like, live and be my dad? That is an irresponsible father. A child shouldn't have to keep the keys from you, by the way. The story of the prodigal father where his son leaves, Dr. Felix talked about this last week. I would argue in the same uh, breath that right now that story is reversed, okay, on fatherhood and manhood. I've heard it said that no longer is it fathers waiting for their prodigal sons to come home. It's sons waiting for their prodigal fathers to come home. The irresponsible father. Your son is waiting for you to come home. Your daughter is waiting and anticipating, will my dad come home? Does he love me? Does he care about me? The second would be an ignorant father. They are there, but doing deep damage to their children because they don't know the reality to raising a son and daughter. A son should not have to learn how to shave on his own. This is an example. It's like an extreme example. A son necessarily shouldn't have to learn how to shave on his own. A son should have a father that teaches him how to shave his face. But yet, some fathers are just ignorant to the fact, oh, you can be a man. Go do what you got to do. Come on, you can shave your own face. I'm not going to show you. The next would be an inconsistent father. This is a dad torn by ambition. This one I see often. Myself included, I have to fight against this one, by the way. Not to the extreme, but it's, it's within me. The in inconsistent father is a dad torn by ambition. In other words, they do love their kids and they want to do right, but there's other things continually pulling them away. They're in, they're out. They're here, they're there. They're engaged, they're present, and then they're absent. They create a slot of instability and uncertainty in a young man or woman's heart. In other words, it's like a, a father who, who goes home, but he's, he's working, his, 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 he's just hustling. He wants to make that dollar. He wants to grow his career. He wants to do all the great things. And by the way, I think that's important to have purpose, to pre prepare and to plan and to go on a journey of your own, right? But in the same token, you have to kind of hold your family to the same uh, importance, Right? Because if you don't go on your journey and do what you got to do, then your family won't be taken care of. But if you do that with great ambition and you forget your family, then, well, then you've been an irresponsible and inconsistent father. And it's sort of like a dad, because I'm, I'm a daughter, and, or I'm a daughter. I have a daughter. And it's sort of like if when Lenya's old enough, you know, if I'm just like so busy all the time and, and I come home and we have a pool in the backyard and, and I buy her all these toys and we jump in the pool and we're playing, we're having fun and I take her to the park and I take her down the slide and I take her to Disneyland, she can get whatever she wants and then I'm gone and out and I'm inconsistent. But when I come back, it's fun and it's games when all the long she just needed me to be present. That's the inconsistent father. 
Some men's problem is that they are good dads, but they want so badly a romanticized vision of a dad. Meaning it's always going to be big things, good things, built around a price tag for your daughter or your son. Toys and Disney and magic and wonder. And you don't have to be a romanticized version of a father where you do all these things. It's just being present. You can't have, I like this one a lot, if you're taking notes. You can't have a divided heart of ambition and adventure and no presence with your children. You can't. It's it's not going to end well. It's not going to be good. Or... If you do that, you become an inconsistent father. The next one is, is one that I would say, this is the good one. This is the one that our culture is fighting for and pushing for, even within the church. It's, it's an involved father, right? I don't want to perpetuate or add too much generational brokenness. We talk about, right, generational curses or brokenness or consequences. So it's like, I'm going to be involved. I'm not going to let that happen. If my grandfather or or great-grandfather was an alcoholic, I'm going to do everything I can so you don't have to see that in the home. I'm I'm going to be involved. I'm going to go to your games. I'm going to be at the football game or the basketball game. or the I'm going to be there with you. We're going to go on camping trips. I'm involved with you, son. I'm with you. It's normally a basic understanding of manhood and Christian faith and vision or to say, right? So I'm going to give my kids stuff I know. The, the morality, the, the ethics, the scriptures, I'm going, to, I'm going to bestow upon them. I'm going to do the sex talk, right? Or I'm going to be around. And John Tyson says, if you had an involved father, this is a gift, by the way. This is a gift to have an involved father. That is a, it's very rare in our society today. An involved father. The challenge, though, is this. They tend to live in the world of general principles. This is what John Tyson says. General principles where that they, they can be hurtful, the father can be hurtful to their child in the general principle if it's applied at the wrong time or in the wrong context without a sense of knowledge for what the child needs and it brings a massive challenge. So let me break it down to you. You can wound by withholding because there's something your son or daughter needs from you based on who they are. Not that they're just a 13-year-old son, but do you really know them? Do you understand them? Are you studying them? They might not need what you have to say, although what you have to say is important and it's true, but they might not need it in that moment. It's like if I were to go to my neighbor and talk to them about Jesus. Hey, man. Jesus loves you, we build a relationship, and they're like, wow, I want to go to church, and I want to give my life to Jesus. It's amazing. And then the next day, I go and slam the book of Leviticus in front of them, right? The book of law. Like, of course, that's true, and that's right, and that's biblical, but do they need it right then, right in that moment, or will it distort things? It's not, by the way, I would argue, the involved father, it's not necessarily using wisdom and discernment in each scenario. So then John Tyson, he would get to the point of the intentional father. The intentional father is this. The difference between an involved father and an intentional father is the intentional father does what the involved father does, but does it with the knowledge of the son 
understanding who he is, that God has given him or the daughter that God's given him. So he has a knowledge, a profound knowledge. He's studied her. He's watched her. Lenya is strong, right? She knows what she wants. So I'm going to raise her up in that manner. I want her to challenge me because I want her to know in this world, you got to challenge things. I want her to be strong, and she is strong, so I'm going to pull that out of her. Does that make sense? That's the involved father. So it's using wisdom and discernment based off what's in the heart of your specific child. Instead of saying, I have this general plethora plethora of wisdom, and I'm going to figure out the keys to the heart of the child God has given me. Then I'm going to customize it. I'm going to curate it to what exactly my son or daughter needs. Again, you're like, man, that's extreme. And I'm like, I know. I love this stuff. Honestly. Because there's a crisis, right? If we allow the culture to raise our children, I'm not sure where they're going to go. I have no idea. And by the way, you can do every, we could do all of this stuff. I know this very well. I already, I already see it. I already think of it. I can do all of this stuff really, really well with Lenya and with Zoe. And the scripture says, raise them in the way that they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. But at the same time, it's the grace of God that pulls them in. Not Sammy, not dad. But I want the odds to be in my favor. I don't want the odds to be against me. I don't want to just go and live and pursue and work really hard and work on all my papers and read all my books. And all the while, I'm missing moments with my daughters because I wasn't being intentional instead of studying them and learning them and knowing who they, they're called to be. And then, Lord, help me when they get into their, like, teenage years. There's many fathers that I'll talk to at that point because I'm already terrified of that. <laughs> so the intentionality starts for all of us. Even, watch this, please see this, even before you have a child, man, the men in the room that aren't married and you want to have a family one day, it starts now. That whole, I really got to get my whole act together when you like find out you're going to be a dad. Have you heard that? You're seeing that in the movies? Oh God, I got to get my act together. I would argue, don't just live life aimlessly, like work on that now. Be a good man now. Be an ethical man now. Pursue righteousness now and surely you're going to mess up and surely you're going to make mistakes. But at least you're aiming towards that. At least you're pushing towards that. At least you're desiring to have courage and character and compassion. And that's what I want to land on today. Courage, character, and compassion. I don't know about you, but I want to be a man like Jesus. And let's just be honest, Jesus knew when to be angry. He knew when to be angry. And he knew when to weep. He knew when to fight. He knew when to stand up, but he also knew when to engage. He knew when to answer, and he also knew when to ask a question. And that doesn't happen aimlessly in life. You have to think about those things. You have to process those things. You got to talk about those things. I tell, I feel bad for Kelly all the time because I'm just like a verbal processor with her. Maybe I just need to start talking to myself, but I just process everything with Kelly. I've learned I have to talk. I have to get it out. It can't just be in. I have to somehow get it out and trust someone enough to hear what I'm saying and, and combat my thoughts. But it's being intentional. Jesus mastered the art of living, Zoe life. 
the abundant life. And as a man, my vision in my home and my life is not only to be an intentional father, but it's for when I grow old and I go pass away and my daughters can say, you know, my dad reminds me of Jesus. That's my goal as a father, honestly. It's like, oh, so spiritual. Well, I want to point them not to me, to, to Jesus. I, I would argue he, he's the answer to our soul. And you have to dig really deep, though. you got to find the solutions in the, in the problem. It's like, you know, I've had this analogy. Faith, I've talked about this in Ephesians. Faith is like, it's like revelation, right? And revelation can only come from God. And I can preach my guts out to you, and I can talk to you about the scriptures, and you can be born and raised in the church. You can do everything right. You can do all those things. But at the end of the day, when you're climbing up sort of that rock, and you're rock climbing, and you're going, okay, I learned this, and I learned that, and I'm growing, and I'm, 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 I'm developing as a follower of Jesus. But at some point, there's a gap to get to the top, so to speak, of revelation. And that revelation can only come from God. It's by the grace of God that he saves us. And I would say it's the same thing for your children, which terrifies me. Because I want to have the control of it, but I can't. Our children are going to, they're going to go, they're going to grow on, on the, the sort of the, the stages that you've built for them, the rocks along the wall. But at some point, when they grow older, they have to have the faith on their own. It can't be yours. You have to get them out of your house, not keep them in. They have to be responsible. They have to live life and, and go on the journey and slay the dragon within. But they can't do it if they're just coddled inside the home. No, get out, man. Go. Do your thing. And that's scary already. I'm like, gosh, I go to weddings, and I see the father-daughter dance, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm like crying. And then I go up to the dad. Now I go to the dads, and I'm like, hey, hey, you're, a, you're an amazing father. Man, what a day for you, huh? And I'm like crying as I'm telling them this, super emotional. But I think about those things, and you should too. You should too. Because the, the more that I like kind of live life, I realize as I talk to people that life is like a blink of an eye. The, the, the psalmist says, King Solomon said, it's like a vapor. It's here one day and it's gone the next. So I, I got to be specific and strategic and have intention as a man and as a father and as a person in society, as a husband. I, I ought to be intentional with what I do, shouldn't I? So courage, Joshua says this, listen to the scripture, I'm almost done. As I was with Moses, God says to Joshua, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful, watch, be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Order is important. Chaos doesn't really help. Listen to the law. Obey the, the law. Do not turn from it or turn to the right or to the left that you may be successful, Joshua, wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And have I not commanded you, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Stand up. Get your shield. Get your sword. And get ready for an adventure. And don't run from it. Run towards it. 
I'm with you. You can do it. I'm pushing you out. Go. It's your turn. It's your turn, Joshua. Go. And then he says, don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So in other words, courage to pursue order. That's my, my, uh, my call to the men in the room. Could you have enough courage to pursue order? The order that follows the scriptures. Just even if it's like 10%, like I hope it's 100 in your life. I, I, I get it. I, I'm, not, I'm not naive. We live our lives. We do our things. We have our families. We have our communities. We can get busy with life. But, but can you just, like, what if you just kept 10% of the scriptures in your mind, on the forefront of your mind? Obey God. Listen to God. Pursue God. What if it's more than that? What if it's 15, 20, 20? What if it's 75% that is on the forefront of your mind to just listen and to have courage and to obey the scriptures? I would argue your life would be a little bit better. Not, not in the sense of happiness. Lord, help us. It's not about happiness. It's like happiness will come. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, like, to own happiness when it comes. But it's not always happy, isn't it? It's not always happy. But there's joy and there's beauty and there's wonder in this thing called life. I just want to have the odds stacked in my favor on what the scripture says. So I want to have courage to follow the scriptures. You hear me on that one? Courage to fight against evil. Can, can the men just step up in this way? I mean, how, can we fight against the evil that's within us? In, inside. Not even, let's not even talk about the evil outside. There's a lot of evil out there. But what is inside that is just building and manifesting and growing. And man, I just, you can't let that stay in there. You gotta talk to people about it. You gotta process it. You gotta work it out. You have to fight against evil, please. I'm begging you. And the next would be the courage to stand against the culture. So once you've, you've fought against within, fight against what's without. And as an intentional father, I guess the only thing that you can sort of protect is your home and your family, right? So be intentional about that, about the culture that's lurking around. What is the culture teaching your children? What are the screens discipling in your children? And that's scary, like really scary if you think about it. First uh, Corinthians, here's character. First Corinthians says this. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Good character. So if you have or pursue or desire good character, well, you ought to be really careful about the social construct of your life, right? <laughs> like, as a father and as a man and then as a follower of Jesus and as a pastor, I'm really careful about who I allow into my mind. And I got to be careful who's around on a regular basis. Like, honestly, what are you allowing inside your mind and how... How are the people around you? So character to be above reproach or accusation. Character to do the right thing for your family, for your future, no matter the sacrifice. And man, isn't it a sacrifice to just do the right thing, even if it doesn't make sense, even if the finances won't come in like you want it to. Whatever the conviction that the Spirit of God has given you, do the right thing. Character. 
Character that will withstand the remarks and rumors said over you or about you to be who you're called to be. Character. To not only get to your dream job, do that, pursue that, but then keep your dream job requires character. Character that your children and your household can model without compromising the scriptures. I just always think about this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. It's, it's even smaller for me. Like, I'm not a big fan of cussing, personally. I know what the scripture says about it. I want to have good character. But I surely don't want Lenya cussing around the house, right? Like, that doesn't look good. And then I think to myself, well, if that doesn't look good, then why should I do it? So Kelly and I, we just, it's just a real big thing for us. But it gets smaller, doesn't it? What about anger, Sammy? Well, what if you are angry all the time and she's going to see that? She's going to model that? She's going to compromise in that? So I better just like put my bootstraps on and get serious about what is inside of me so that I can be a healthy, intentional father. But what good is it to tell your child, don't get angry, but you're angry like all the time? (laughs) It's character to look at those things for what they are. Character to not drink the Kool-Aid of the day. (laughs) Character. Uh, There's no need to follow what everyone else is doing. That might not lead to the narrow path. That actually might lead to the wide path. But if you're not intentional about the future, how will you know, friend? So that's my character. The last is compassion, and then I'm done. So worship team, you guys can come on up. Compassion, right? So uh, scripture says in Colossians, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe, 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 wear it, own it. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Compassion to show love and grace and forgiveness. Compassion to have the emotional awareness of those around you. Compassion. And by the way, I know for, like, men in our culture, for some reason, like, we don't really want to own up to this part. No, it's good to show compassion to your wife and to your children. Your children are seeing that. Compassion to love your child where they are and to be the love of Jesus that they need to see from you, from you, from you. Compassion that compels you to be on mission, not only for your family, but for your contribution to the world. And here are my final thoughts, dads in the room, soon to be dads, desiring to be dads. It's never too late. Dad, it's never too late. Ever, ever, ever too late. The redemptive plan of God, he, he just, he can't get rid of the memories, but he, he can change you today for tomorrow, for right now. It's why Disneyland has mastered, by the way, the final send-off of you and the experience. Your child might have been screaming the entire time, but you're greeted at the end, and it smells good, and the fireworks are going off, and you're like, oh, I'm sent off good. Could it be the same thing? As a father, maybe you're in older age and have older children. It's not too late for you. It's not. If you think you've messed up with your son or daughter, just repent. It's all right. Just own it. Own the moment. Own who you are. Own the mistakes. It's okay. Repent. 
ask for forgiveness and start a new family trajectory. You can do that, by the way. So as we come to a close and as we worship, I just, I encourage you. I'm super passionate about this. I'm so, I'm so tired of seeing the brokenness of our culture. But if a people could just come together and see this for what it is, maybe we can start changing the generations that are to come. Maybe if the only thing you get out of this conversation is, you know what, I need to be intentional with my son. Because the world might speak to him, the, the girls might speak to him, the people might, the sex talk might already be spoken to him, but I can stand on the goodness of who God is in my life. I can stand with courage and character and compassion, and I can change a generation for the good of my family. And you can do that too, by the way. And to the women of the room, I love you. I weep with you of an inconsistent, irresponsible father. But please take serious who you marry then. No more messing around because they're going to be the child of your father one day and you don't want to repeat the sins of the father. Break that thing, man. In the name of Jesus, you can break it. And so that's why, that's why you have to be intentional. We can't just live like, oh, I'm just going to float with the wind. Good luck with that. I don't know where that will take you. But if, if you have your anchor in and, and you know where you're going, at least the future, 5, 10, 10 years, 20, I don't know. That's a long time, but I think about it. But, man, if you could think, my children, they need to know a father. They need to know a man. My my children, one day as a woman, you might be thinking they need to have a good father. And I tell this to women all the time. Just find a man who loves God more than he loves you. If God can have his heart, he could do anything with that. Anything with his heart. So find a man that is looking for the heart of God. That sings a song. Just tell me what moves you, God. I don't care. I'll get on my knees in front of people. I'll show the world that I love you, God. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to stand face to face with the King of Kings. And he's going to judge everything that I've done. And my God, my, there's just no way. There's just no way. I'm putting my stake in the ground as a father. Man, we just got to stand up. Like do the push-ups, man. Keep doing them. And when it gets hard... Get back in the gym and do more because you got more in you. And Sean can teach you to do that well. <laughs> and Eric too. <laughs> but that's your physical body. What about your soul? God, help us. Repent and turn to him. Maybe you messed up. Maybe you're irresponsible. Maybe you're inconsistent. And maybe you're involved, but you can be intentional. And that will change the course of your family forever. Amen? And men of, of daughters, give her a hug, man. Not a side hug. I know it's uncomfortable. I've read about it. Give her a real hug and tell her you love her and that she's beautiful. And as Grandma Liz told Kelly all the time and Teresa, you're not just externally beautiful. Thank God for that. But no, 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 no. You're internally beautiful, Kelly. And I'm so grateful for a mother and a grandmother that would tell her daughter that lost a father. No, 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 no. You got beauty within you, girl. So stand strong. Move forward. And that's what I love about moms. But today's about dads, right? Be intentional, please. I beg of you for the future. For the future. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you.
We worship you. We exalt you. As a man, I stand before you, and you are a king in my eyes. I see you as a king, God. And I know you didn't want to stand with sword in hand, but, but I see you with the sword, Jesus. And you want to get rid of the dragon in me, God, and you hand the sword to me so I will stand in faith and courage and compassion, and I will desire to have the character of you, Jesus. So whatever moves you, Father, that's what I want. Whatever you want to do in my life, that's what I want to do. If you want me to get rid of the mess and the chaos and the darkness, then I stand today as a declaration. Father, I repent. God, I want more. God, I need more. I can't do this, Father, anything without you. The world has a plan, but your word, your law, your spirit leads, guides, discerns all of my imperfections, Jesus. And that's what I want, God. That's what I need. And I pray that every man and every woman would desire the same thing. In your name we pray. Amen and amen and amen.